Welcome to Red Mountain Church. I know most of you, my name is Matt Clegg, I'm the assistant pastor here, and we are really, really excited to have Trey and Melody Lovern with us today, uh, and they're going to be talking to us about keeping our families and children safe online, and some about how issues of abuse and sexual brokenness in the online sphere is a reality, and also how the gospel applies um, to that as well. I've enjoyed talking to them and getting to know them uh, a few minutes here, and I think this is really glad they're here. Uh, There's coffee, donuts in the back, if you would like that. There's also a handout back there. If you don't have one, then grab one of those. And I will, without further ado, let's pray, and then I'll invite them up, and they can tell us a little bit more about themselves. So let's pray together. Your Father, I thank you uh, for bringing us all here. I thank you for your constant watch and constant care over us. And I thank you above all that you are a God who deeply cares about justice and you are a God who loves and deeply cares about those who are weak and those who have been wounded. Um, That you sent your Son that you could bring life where there was complete darkness. I pray this evening for our speakers. I pray that you would give them wisdom and for us that we would uh, be able to think well and give them our attention, that you would teach us, uh, that you would help us to learn about your world and that we would learn to trust you as you, um, as you guide us and you teach us how to take care of the ones who are under our care. We lift all this up in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys. Well, we are glad to be here. My name is Trey, and um, Melody is going to join me for the, the... I get to do I get to do bad cop. She's good cop coming up. So uh, the first part of this, the bad cop part, is um, talking about the landscape. You know, and I know that already you guys understand that things are uh, pretty broken. There's a lot that's facing our families. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here tonight. But I want to give you some specifics as to what's going on. And not just uh, with um, pornography, which is that's a, a topic that we all know that, okay, we've got to be diligent there. But a lot of other things that are dangerous as it relates to technology um, as well. And so I know we're going to be coming back tomorrow morning as well. So just a quick overview of what we're going to be doing. So tonight um, will be first part, the landscape. Here's what we're facing as parents. And then we're going to talk about, in light of this, what is our response as parents? What's the godly response? What's the gospel response uh, based on uh, this? And, and you know, the temptation may be, well, the response is going to be move to an island where there is no technology, escape this, build a bubble, you know, find a pod for our child that we can put them in now, and then when they're 18, you know, let them out. Um, but we'll talk about our response and, um, you know, just some real how parenting 101 as it relates to the gospel. Um, but then tomorrow morning, um, we'll all be about practical. Okay, so we're not really going to get into tools tonight. Uh, that will all be in the morning. All right, we're talking about filters. We'll talk about books. We'll talk about resources. All that's going to be in the morning. All right, so anybody won't be able to make it back tomorrow. We'll miss that. Okay, everybody will be able to come back. But I think we're recording all this, and so we're going to make all of this available as well. So, um, first of all, just a little bit about us. Um, Our ministry is called Undone, Redone. 
And um, we've had our own undone, redone story. Okay, so I um, met Melody at Sanford. I grew up in rural East Alabama, was a religion major. I started preaching in high school. So both Melody and I grew up in the church. High performers, lots of... um, work for your validation and approval, and we were both very, very good at doing that. Uh, we met, got married my junior year at Sanford, and we're going to save the world. She sang, vocal performance major, I was a religion major, you know, we're going to, she's going to sing, I was going to preach, save the world. What she didn't know is my secret struggle that started when I was eight years old with pornography. And the reason she didn't know is I didn't tell her. I was too much of a coward to tell her. And the other reason I didn't tell her, not just being cowardly, but also I thought marriage is going to fix it. So marriage is going to fix it, so why drop this bomb in her lap when it's about to all be a moot point anyway? Well, marriage didn't fix it. And so 10 years into marriage, almost 11 years, uh, we divorced because of my struggle with pornography. And so I lost my wife, my four children, and um, but by God's amazing grace, we were miraculously reconciled. Uh, six years later, in 2008. So this October, we will be celebrating the 10th anniversary of our remarriage. And so um, Jan- January 11th, just a couple of weeks ago, was the anniversary of our first marriage, which would have been 26 years. That's always kind of a weird day for us uh, because you know it was our anniversary, and then it was that day that was really a painful reminder of what now has come apart and now we do get to celebrate kind of two, two anniversaries uh, now. But we are very passionate in Undone Redone, not just in recovery and restoration. And we do work with a lot of families that have been impacted by uh, pornography, uh, sexual brokenness, infidelity, all the things that come under that umbrella. But we also realize that um, we've got to do something on the prevention side. Okay, um, I know how being exposed to pornography at eight years old Uh, impacted me in my life and it was magazines and what we're going to be talking about tonight is I'm about to dive into the landscape magazines are really not a part of that equation as you can imagine Um, what today's 8 to 12 year old is being exposed to is very violent, very graphic very hardcore uh, pornography and what we're talking about it literally rewires scientifically rewires the brain it's been proven uh, to do that now the good news is it can be rewired but we are very passionate uh, about helping equip parents to protect the next generation um, as well because this is the place where the enemy is hunting to disrupt uh, and destroy uh, the family so as we get into this, um, this is our ministry. If you want to connect with us on um, any of the social media channels. One thing I'll note, uh, I included YouTube, because we are now really beginning to grow our YouTube channel. Um, that is probably, probably Facebook is number one right now where we really put out a lot of content. But we also have a My Secure Family uh, Facebook page as well, specific to uh, the parenting. And so if you look at prevention and protection and recovery and restoration, those are kind of the, the silos where we work. Um, but all of that information coming out here with our um, social media channels. If you are connected on social media and want to, during tonight's presentation or tomorrow, uh, want to use a hashtag so that maybe y'all can do a search and find all the other stuff, not just from Red Mountain folks, um, but also some of the other presentations that we've done around the Southeast as well. Um, you can look at those also. So, 
Um, we will do, uh, go ahead and write this number down. We may not have time for Q&A tonight, uh, but one of the reasons we put um, a number on here is sometimes the nature of this topic, you may not just want to raise your hand and ask certain things. And especially in an assembly, especially in church, right? And so 205-910-8973 is a number, even if we don't get to Q&A tonight, if you want to text a question to that number, uh, we will give you an answer, okay? Tomorrow, I know we'll have time to do a lot of Q&A. And so just want to provide this for you. Just a, one, two things. It allows you some level of anonymity in asking questions, but it also helps us get to more questions as well because we're not having to say, will you repeat the question? Can everybody hear the question? We'll read out the question and then get right to the answer. <clears throat> so the landscape. Um, we know that there is an epidemic, if not a pandemic, happening right now as it relates to uh, pornography and sexual brokenness in our culture. Um, I'm going to get into some stats uh, tonight. Um, Because we're in January, just after the new year, I want to give you some statistics from the largest porn site. Like any business, they publish their statistics, you know, and we had done this for 2016, so they just published 2017, so now we've got data to kind of look at. Uh, it's pretty astounding uh, what, I, what I'm going to be sharing with you. Um, but let me start with this, um, with this quote. This is uh, Chris Rowan uh, from the Huffington Post, definitely most likely not coming from a uh, Christian background, but I think what he says here really sums up what we're here to talk about. Technology's impact on the 21st century family is fracturing its very foundation and causing a disintegration of core values that long ago were the fabric that held families together. And when it comes to sex and sexuality, You know, we're here to talk about all the negative stuff that's coming. But one of the things, let me say out of the gate, and this is kind of framing everything that we're going to be doing tonight and also in the morning, is one of the problems, I believe, is that as the church, and I'm not just talking about Red Mountain Church, but I'm a capital C church, we don't do a good enough job of talking about healthy sexuality. And so when it ever does come up, usually it's about what we're against. And so we've kind of let culture define what sex and sexuality is. And so the church often, by just coming out what we're against, we almost buy into the world's definition of culture's definition of what we mean by sex and sexuality instead of raising the bar uh, to this Hebrew concept of yada that is more of a biblical understanding of sex and sexuality. So I think that's one of the challenges that we have. And, And as I go through these statistics, here's what I want you to have in the back of your mind. If there's that much coming at our family and our kids as it relates to the world's view of sex and sexuality, and they're inundated daily with all these messages from many, many different, different places, how much more as parents do we need to be engaging these conversations from the Christian biblical worldview? As well, Because if we are silent, and unfortunately so many parents are silent, and we're going to talk about some of the reasons why as we get into our response, um, the only message they're getting is culture's message. And so one of the things we want to make sure we do is just give you confidence as a, a body here to begin to engage these conversations, to engage the heart, okay? Now, here's one premise I want to give you. We're going to do some deep dives on some of the technology. But here's why we're not going to do that. with One, we, we can't do that with all technology. 
But the reason we won't do that, like, let's say for instance, okay, here's how to go into Facebook and set all the filters and all that. We could take a lot of time and really do a deep dive in all these different technologies. Here's why I don't think that would be a good use of our time. In four or five weeks, all that's probably going to change. Technology is constantly changing and evolving. All right? So we may talk about some specific things. Actually, I had to update this presentation this afternoon because some things have changed since the last time that we've done it. So technology is constantly changing and evolving. Our main goal in the next um, tonight and in the morning is, to, is for you as a parent to feel equipped to engage the heart of your child. Technology is changing. You as a parent are the constant. You're not changing. You're going to be there present in all of their growth and development. And so what we feel like a better use of our time is if whatever the technology is, you feel equipped as a parent to engage what culture is sending and then take it through your biblical worldview, that lens, and then give it to your kids and engage them very adequately in these things, that is, that is a better use of our time. The other thing, and this is just our, our, our belief system, some of you may disagree with this, Our goal is not to teach you how to build a better bunker for your child. Okay? Now, some of you may disagree with that. Now, what do I mean by bunker? Okay? I kind of joked earlier about just kind of putting a bunker, putting the kids in it, and then bringing them out when they're 18. Even if that were possible, which it's not. We can't be with them 24-7. Right? But even if it were possible, at some point, they're going to come out of the bunker. So we feel like a much uh, better approach is let's prepare our children. Let's, even in some of the things we're going to be talking about tomorrow, some of the tools, how do we even inoculate our children against some of what culture is bringing? If we're, if we're proactively teaching and engaging uh, in these conversations, that they can be um, even aware of what's going on to the point that now they are inoculated to some degree uh, instead of just sheltered. Because when we, I believe we're doing our children a disservice when we shelter them and pretend the broken world that we live in is different than it is. Because you think about the stats with children who are leaving the faith when they go to college. And I think some, sometimes maybe part of that might be when they get to college, they get out on their own, and all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, this is nothing like mom and dad told me it was. I, they've been so sheltered and so protected, and it's like the world is kind of different than it is, and all of a sudden now their eyes are opened, and many times it's like, wait, if they didn't tell the truth about that, what else did they not tell the truth about? And many of them are just abandoning the faith. Not totally because of that, but we feel that it's our responsibility as parents to honestly engage the hearts. We're, we're in a war. I mean, Scripture is very clear. There's an enemy who is hunting. He's prowling. He is attacking. And so if our strategy is just to try to shelter our children and pretend that it's different, we need to train our children that we're in a war, that we're in battle, that we have an enemy and, and his tactics and what they look like. So, so that's kind of where we're going uh, with this. Um, let's first of all define what we mean by online. Okay, now I'll, I'll probably remember the day when, um, you know, kind of the digital safety one-on-one was make sure the home computer is in the family room where everybody can see the screen. Do y'all remember having those talks and that teaching, right? That was probably not even that long ago that that was kind of the prevailing thing. Make sure that no uh, 
computers were outside the family room. Well, it's kind of difficult to do that now because we have HD TVs in our pockets now, right? And, and so there's the screens, and it just by what we mean by online um, has changed greatly. So let's go through you know, a little bit of that. So obviously there's the laptop, uh, the cell phone, uh, the smartphones definitely have changed the game a lot. Tablets, gaming devices. Um, how many of you knew that gaming device is also a place where internet connectivity, that kids can interact with others? I remember a couple of years ago, probably about three, four years ago now, um, I was coming through on a Saturday morning, our living room, and I heard this profanity coming through our home surround sound system. Our boys were playing a first-person shooter Call of Duty game, and they were in a, in a game playing with these other folks, and I could hear what these other folks in the other, on the other team were saying. And it certainly uh, was no language that we wanted our boys to be hearing. And so um, they had jumped in a room, it was online, had no idea who these other people were, so we had a discussion uh, about some of the safety that needed to take place there in those games. So certainly gaming devices is another place that um, our children have access to other people. We don't maybe know who they are, but also content coming through that as well. And now smart TVs also um, is another place where... Uh, when, so just all this, this slide basically, when you think online, I want you to think beyond just computer, even beyond the cell phone, okay? There's a lot of different places, and there's probably even more than this. I know like some of the reading devices, literatis, and those kind of things, they have internet connectivity um, as well. And many of those things, if it's got internet connectivity, there's probably a browser somewhere in that, and if there's a browser, they can get to inappropriate content, And as we're going to talk about pornographers, pornographers are not patiently waiting for your precious child to get curious and and Google something. They are proactively coming after our children. And and one of the ways, uh, just we'll get to this a little bit later, but if you take a child's uh, brand, let's say Nickelodeon or any of the other childhood brands, Disney, uh, if you misspell some of those words, very good chance that a porn site will pop up. Okay, so one of the things as it comes to filtering, we'll talk more about this tomorrow, is to whitelist. If your children are young, and I understand that most of our ch- children here, is it like, what, fourth grade and below? Is that kind of, anybody over fourth grade? Anybody, got, anybody older than a fourth grader? Third grade? So we got definitely a younger, a younger children. So everything we'll be talking about is good because you're getting a young start, but also everything we'll be talking about, teens, middle school, all that, that's something that will be coming, uh, obviously, for you guys. So um, what was I talking about? Whitelisting, yes, thank you. So if you've got younger children like most of you do, it might be good instead of just saying, hey, let's block certain things, you may want to consider doing the opposite. Hey, these are the approved sites. Let's whitelist them so that way if they do misspell them uh, by mistake, they're not going to get something inappropriate. Whatever else they misspell will be blocked. So that's just a little tip of maybe using a whitelisting thing instead of, a, instead of saying, what, what are we going to block? Maybe saying, okay, what are our approved sites that we know are good? And then you can whitelist those. Okay? So online risk. Um, it's not just inappropriate content. Okay, a lot of times when we come to these, it's like, okay, how do I lock down my device? How do I make sure I've got filters in place so our children do not receive inappropriate content? That's certainly a big part of it, but it's also inappropriate conduct and inappropriate contact. 
um, as well. Now, your children probably mostly, uh, anybody's child using an app called Musical.ly? Is that, that's a, Still probably a little like middle schoolers, you know, they say you have to be 13, but if you get on the app, a lot of kids younger than 13 are certainly using it. But my point in this with the, with the conduct is we're in now the stage of the internet where it's not just all this information is out there and my child is a consumer of this information. Our children are creating content through these social media sites and putting it out there, okay? So part of our diligence as a parent is to make sure that we're engaging them to make sure they know what's appropriate uh, with that. You know, the way predators, you know, they take advantage often of the young and naive who don't really know, and they may be posting things with addresses and and knowing where they are as far as a, a location. And also, obviously, inappropriate contact. So this is a... Um, this is not my graphic. This is a graphic. This is from the 2016. This is the largest porn site in the world. Just one site, however the largest. At the end of 2016, if, if anybody here was of the mindset, oh, is it really that big a deal? Maybe it's not. So I just want to share some of these numbers just to give you an understanding of what we're dealing with as it relates to pornography. So the end of 2016. Now we've had a whole another year. I'm going to give you the end of 2017. End of 2016, in just that one year, in 2016 alone, almost 92 billion videos were consumed on this one porn site. That's enough videos for every person on the planet to have watched 12 and a half videos. Now, here's what I would say to you. Again, this is just, and we've had a whole other year and the numbers have gone up. But if this was solitaire or any other benign thing that we could be spending time with, we're looking at a colossal waste of time and productivity. If it was just a benign thing. It's not a benign thing. As I said earlier, it's been scientifically proven to literally rewire the human brain. So that much pornography has been consumed in one year on one porn site. Now let's look at the numbers for this. We went up. So we've gone from 20, was it 23 billion? Whoop. Sorry. I think it was 23 billion. And now, end of 2017, $28.5 billion. Those are the annual visits. 81 million daily average visits. Let me just read you how that translates. This is, this is um, what, we're, what we're dealing with here. 50,000 searches per minute, 800 per second. Uh, over 4 million videos totaling 595,492 hours uploaded. So, for 2017... Of all the content uploaded to this one porn site in 2017 alone, that was like if all that 2016 number went away. And we're talking about 92 billion up to the end of 2016. But if that all went away, starting at the beginning of 2017, all the content that was uploaded in 2017 alone on this one porn site, if you started watching those videos... And you watch those videos nonstop, it would take you 68 years to watch all of the content that was uploaded in 2017 alone. That's the amount, the volume that is going up there. Listen to this. Every five minutes, 
this porn site transmits more data than the entire contents of the New York Public Library's 50 million books. Every five minutes. That much is going out every five minutes. Um, so, you know, there, there's a problem. It is impacting. There's no way that that much information, again, even if it was negative, I mean, even if it was benign, but when you talk about the violent nature, we're talking about the degradation of women, we're talking about the themes in these videos, the incestuous themes, all uh, nihilistic things, there's all kinds of uh, things that are, are problematic in this content, not to mention the nudity and all the other obvious things. And we're consuming it at that rate. The family is obviously paying the price. And so that's why we're glad that you're here. Because as we get into some of these stats and how that plays out, that's what we're up against. It is a steady stream. So, the hours, here's the 68 year stat. That would be like starting watching in 1949. If you watch nonstop, you would now just be finishing watching that. Um, it's, it's, it's really hard to wrap your head around. And again, that's just one porn site, albeit the largest, but that's not all pornography. So search terms. And some of these, I'm, just, I'm, I'm sharing some of this. Just so that you know, as far as that's 2016, those were the most searched for terms in the U.S. And then in 2017, the most searched terms. So you see some of the the incestuous themes um, that are showing up there. We're going to talk about cartoons. Uh, Cartoons and Hensha. Hensha is now really high on that list. It's a type of cartoon as well. So let's dive into some of these stats. Um, Teen boys average one hour per day playing video games. And I know you have teenagers here yet, but um, it may be even more so when, you, when yours get of age. American teens use an average of nine hours of media daily, not including for school and homework. Two-thirds of teens don't think watching TV, texting, or using social media while doing homework impacts the quality of their work. So we talk about um, you know the web and internet and all that so web 2.0 the question really is what is your child putting online now your children because of their ages met anybody using any of your child using any type of social media any of that okay so all this is coming for you guys so that's it's great this is the first time we've done this where all the parents children are this young which the good news is, hopefully, as you guys not only do this together, excuse me, in your homes, but you also now begin to do this together as a church family as well. Um, but to understand that it's not, again, just what is coming at my child, but we also have to be concerned with what is my child putting out on the Internet. You know, not just you know nude photos and those kind of obvious inappropriate things, but things that maybe allow somebody to know where they live, maybe have an address, maybe have you know where they go to school, or there's things that just they're not maybe in their young minds thinking because whoever's following them, they're just thinking 
hey, these people I know, because they're thinking about that, but if they've got people they don't know following them, then those people are also getting that, that information. So the question is, what is our child you know, actually putting online? And so if you've got nieces or nephews, that's another you know, conversation you know, as well. It's not, it's not like, remember when the web first came out and it was like every website you know, had the little counter down at the bottom, how many people had been there, and all that was kind of like that first you know, web experience, right? And it was basically a brochure that was on the internet, they took, that was kind of the first thing. They take their brochure, here's the about page, and here's the, you know, that was kind of the extent of most, so it was content, one-sided coming to you, and you consumed it like you would a brochure. And certainly the interactivity of the internet, that's not the case now. It is what we are also creating, not just consuming. So nine out of ten boys are exposed to porn before the age of 18. Now let me say this, because a lot of these stats I know are, or about teenagers or whatever, but think about where your children are. And I want you to hear this very, very clearly. Some of you may be here saying, well, we're getting a head start on some of this. But as you're going to hear more tomorrow and some of the resources we're talking about, you can't really start too early in preparing your children. Now, I'm not talking about talking detailed birds and the bees kind of talk. Okay, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But talking about their bodies, talking about uh, healthy uh, just, you know, as they grow up in, in interaction with siblings and, and just not, because when it comes to this topic, it is so easy for shame to be a part of that. Because many of us, honestly, we're still waiting for the talk, right? We're still waiting for our parents to pull us aside for the talk. And so it's hard enough, even if we had that model for us, but when we didn't, now it's like, oh goodness, they said the talk needs to happen, but I don't really know. And then we just, we get into this place where, well, I don't, they're probably not old enough. They're probably not old enough. They're probably not old enough. And I'll just, I'll wait. We keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And then all of a sudden we've got 16 year olds, 17 year olds. And it's like, well, maybe I should have already had this conversation. And so one thing I want to debunk right off, a lot of people, when we do these, one of the common questions, and this is a fear and I completely get it is that if I start talking about these things, what if I do it prematurely or too early? And what if I uh, elicit a a curiosity that wouldn't have been there otherwise? What if I make that mistake? What we've seen in the research is that usually just the opposite. The more we as their parent can engage with them, the more novelty gets removed from this. And it just becomes just another part of what we talk about at home. And a good way, um, one of the resources we'll be talking about is using the proper anatomical names for body parts and, and why that's important. Um, and so let's say your child gets to middle school and one of the cool kids in middle school, one of the boys in the locker room, think he's heard a word and he's now really cool and he's throwing this word around trying to elicit giggles and whatever. But if you have already engaged your child and they already know that, Maybe not the slang term or whatever, but they kind of know the concept from you. Guess what? All that giddy, giddy, ha-ha, that immature stuff, it's kind of like, yeah, my parents have already discussed that with me. And so what we've seen from the research is that by talking about it openly, it actually creates a sense of safety and security for our children. Because if we're not talking about these things, guess what? Google is more than happy to supply answers. And most likely the answers Google supplying is not the biblical Christ-centered worldview that you want your children uh, to be getting. 
So 9 out of 10 boys are exposed to porn before the age of 18. 6 out of 10 girls are exposed to porn before the age of 18. And that's a growing number, unfortunately. One of the top search engine uh, search terms, uh, according to the stats that just came out, was um, pornography for women. That is a very, very growing. Right now, about 40% of Internet porn traffic is female-driven. So if you come tonight with this idea that this is just a guy thing, it's not just a guy thing. Okay, both boys and girls, men and women, are, are definitely uh, caught up in this. The first exposure to pornography is 12 years old on average. Now, good news here, that number is going up. When we first started doing this, it was 8. So the good news is it's 12, but let's be honest, 12 is still way too young. All right, so we still have a lot of work to do. But thankfully, more parents are beginning to be engaged. They're beginning to be diligent around technology. And so we do see that number of first exposure going up. But like I said, 12 is still uh, way too young. And this stat is probably the reason that we started doing My Secure Family, is this particular stat. Nearly 80% of unwanted exposure to pornography takes place in the home. 80%. And so when we saw that stat, we realized, you know, with just a little bit of education, this could, be, this could really be changed. If parents just knew, because a lot of times, you know, th- let's be honest as parents. I mean, this, frankly, with, with the onslaught of what's coming to our children, it's a full-time job to try to 100% try to protect them from every front. Guess what? We don't, we can't be our full-time job, right? I mean, we're, we've got a lot of other roles that we play. We do have a job. This is not all that we're doing, but you know some of the things, um, the numbers that are coming to, toward our families and, and just the onslaught, it can be become a full-time job. But just a little bit of understanding of what's happening, and also as we'll get into just our response to this, that we take the fear out of this. Because a lot of these stats, I can already tell... And for all of us, and me too, even some of the 2017, it was, it was pretty depressing seeing some of the new numbers uh, this afternoon as to what's being consumed. But it, you know, the fear, and that's what we want to talk about in our responses to the moment, is how do we combat that fear um, with the gospel? So let's look at that home exposure number. So 40% of that first-time exposure came as a link, came up as a result of an innocent word search. Okay, they're searching for something and another link pops up and they click on it. That was the 40%. That's why it's very important to have filtering. I mean, let me just say this about filters. If you've got internet coming into your home, which I assume all of us do, every evil known to man is just a few clicks away. I'm not just talking about pornography. I'm talking about anything you can dream up and imagine is just a few clicks away. So none of us would consider going to sleep tonight probably with our front door open. Why do we do that? Because we don't want strangers to come in. We, I mean, we want to protect our children. I want to protect our family. This is our domain. Well, to have a, a, an internet pipeline coming into our home without filtering on that is frankly very, very uh, irresponsible. It really is because of the evil that's out there and and what can come up. So 17% clicking on a link in another site. Uh, 14% a pop-up. Now let me tell you about Um, pop-ups. Pop-ups that are pornographic in nature don't come on the computer out of the box. Uh, How many of you ever shopped on Amazon? I saw a funny meme the other day. Is that this guy was like, 
this crazy look because he just thought about something and all of a sudden there was an ad <laughs> popping up, you know, for something for sale. You know, how many of you have been shopping on Amazon and then you didn't buy whatever you were looking at? But then, like, the next five sites you were on, there was an ad. How do they know, you know? It's, it's called cookies, right? You leave a digital footprint wherever you go. Amazon didn't get to be big Amazon by just waiting around for you. They're, they're very you're much, you know, strategic in where they place that and making sure it's something you want. They know you want it because you had it in your cart, right? You were looking at it. And so when it comes to these pop-ups, the same thing when a computer, someone goes to uh, porn sites on that computer, the same type thing is happening. And so if you're on a device and an inordinate amount of pop-ups are happening, especially if they're pornographic in nature, most likely that computer has gone to porn sites. Okay, so, and that's, I can't tell you in our ministry how many men in our ministry, that's how they got caught and busted, is because of that, those cookies and things that they were leaving. Not, they were clear in their history, but it was the pop ups that started happening as a result that finally they had to say, yes, it's me. So, pop ups. Other 13%, and then 12% gets to what I was talking about earlier a misspelled web address. When they're innocently looking for something else, they misspell Nickelodeon, they misspell Disney. And like I said, these pornographers, they want to hook our children early. They're not waiting around for them to get curious. They will gladly, if they misspell, they will hook up another word around that domain and it often will be a porn site. Up until recently, thankfully this has changed. Some of you probably already knew this, especially if you're an educator, but whitehouse.com up until about three years ago, was a pornography site. How many children doing innocent searches, you know, for research papers, first exposure came looking for the whitehouse.gov. They went to whitehouse.com and saw a porn site. Now, thankfully, that one has been taken down. But that same principle is what pornographers are doing to, to hook our children early. So child-on-child sexual abuse increased almost 80% in just three years. So I want to I stay here for just a second. And this is not fun to talk about. But when children are exposed to things pre-puberty, they don't have a box to put that in, naturally they begin to act out what they've seen. That's what children do. And so when you're thinking about child abuse or sexual abuse, I mean, excuse me, sexual abuse, it's not just the stereotypical guy in the trench coat that we need to be watching out for, right? It has changed dramatically, and, and it's, it's gut-wrenching some of the things that we've dealt with in our, in our ministry, but when you know, a family comes to us and the perpetrator in the home is a seven-year-old who has, been, has seen things and now doing things to a three-year-old. And so child-on-child sexual abuse is a real, it's, it's growing, unfortunately, because of the rampant uh, growth of pornography, how much pornography is being consumed, kids being exposed, and then again, they act out uh, what they've seen. So I, I want to put this slide in here because sometimes people will come to these kind of presentations and they're looking at how can I protect my children from those out there. Um, and again, that stereotypical man in the trench coat uh, but that's, we need to broaden our mind as far as what the dangers really are, okay? 71% of teens hide online behavior from their parents. 71%. I'm going to look at what some of the top apps 
are that they use to do this. Now, a little freebie that we have for you guys. If you go to MySecureFamily.com, we're building out a portal that will be a membership site for parents like yourself. Because I said earlier, technology changes. Well, we want to have a place where parents can go and get real-time information about what the latest uh, technology is. And that's going to be at MySecureFamily.com. It's not up and ready yet. It will be out this year. But when you go to that site you are able to get a free hiding app course. I've taken a number of these hiding apps and I have kind of walked through just a little screen capture and how they work. Now, thankfully, a lot of your children are young and hopefully none of them are using hiding apps yet, but I do want you to be aware of them. So so what's a hiding app? A hiding app is an app that is made to look like something else, but its purpose is to hide content from others. All right, a good example here, Secret Calculator. If you look at the app that comes with your iPhone, which most of us have, it's, a, it's an icon that looks just like this with the exception instead of it being a blue and the lower right quadrant, it's orange. But this is made to look like a calculator app. When you plug in, when you click that app, it comes up just like a calculator. But when you hit four digits on that calculator, that's the secret code to get you into what the app is really designed for. And that's to hide photos, to hide files. It could be to hide contacts. It could be to hide a browser. So now mom and dad thinks that the browser has been locked on that iPhone, but not knowing that because of some of these hiding apps, their child may have another way uh, to get to the Internet. Um, Some of these... um, number of these, I think most all of these eight, maybe at least seven of the eight are in that hiding app course. So I actually go through, you have a screen capture and I'll show you how they, how they work. Um, some of these actually, um, if you put in the wrong code, it actually activates the camera on the, on the device and takes a picture. So when they come back to it, not only do they know somebody was trying to get into it, they've got a photo of mom or dad or whoever else was trying to get in there. Also, in the secret calculator and some of these others, if they put in a second code, let's say that um, there's a teenager that has one of these apps on the phone. And their mom or their dad comes to my secure family. They hear about these apps. They go marching home. They look for these icons on the phone. And sure enough, they see it. And Johnny says, no, mom, I downloaded it, but I'm not using it. See, and they put in a different four-digit code. Then the app shows nothing in it. And so it looks like, yes, I downloaded it, but I haven't used it because there's two codes. They put in one code if they want it to show empty, another code if they want to show the actual files that are in there. Yes? There's a lot of businesses. Actually, this is one of the things I was going to update, but there's actually so more. This may be a little top eight. There's probably another eight that are very, very similar to these. There's a demand for, you know, being subtle, not so subtle, hiding, not just, not just for kids, but obviously a lot of adults are using this kind of thing as well to hide content from others. But, mm-hmm. Now, some of these do have premium features, but all the things that I just described are in the free, the free versions. You know, and, and think, this is one first step. I said we just need to take a deep breath as parents. It's like, my goodness, it's all stacked. Not only the pornography coming at us, but now we've got these apps to contend with. And do you already feel like it's a full-time job just to stay abreast on it? And none of us have 
full time, you know, to do this, right? Um, that's why it's so cool to see so many of you, you know, doing this together as well. Not just hey, here's our phone, our home, but how can we, uh, you know, do this together as a church body as well? So, any other questions about these? Um, some of these names change. This best secret folder. This one's distinguished or identified. Looks like a utility. Right? If you just look at that on the phone, it's just like a regular utility thing. And when you, when you open it, that's what it looks like until the code uh, is put in there. So very, very deceptive, no doubt. Sexting is the new flirting. This is a quote by our friend Christine uh, Perry. She wrote one of the resources that we'll be talking about uh, tomorrow. And so looking at and talking about sexting, uh, well, this is one of the things, uh, this was last year. Anybody ever heard of 13 Reasons? Y'all probably didn't have kids that were consuming that, but it was a very, very popular Netflix show. Uh, We were actually doing this at a local church in Birmingham, and one of the ladies there, her sorority sister from college, her daughter had just committed suicide after watching uh, 13 Reasons. It's a show about suicide, the show... The main character has left 13 tapes that they uncover, and so that was very, very popular among kids. But it's just other, other types of things that we need to be talking about you know, with, our, with our kids. <clears throat> so let's look at the top seven sexting apps. Um, again, with the kids your age... Hopefully none of you are having to deal with this right now, but it is coming. But also, if you, uh, I mean, even think about babysitters or, or you know, nieces, nephews, you know, those kind of things. It's good to know uh, about these apps. Now, let me first of all say about these apps, these, all, all of these apps were not designed, designed necessarily for sexting. All right? The reason I say that, the WhatsApp, that's how I communicate with some of my friends who are missionaries. Some of you probably use WhatsApp. You know, it's great for international, you know, contact, whatever. But it's also uh, something that can be used for sexting as well. Uh, Tinder, uh, Kick. Uh, Kick is one definitely uh, to be mindful of as a parent. Uh, Kick, you don't have to use a phone number. You can use a username. The thing, one thing about Kick is there's a feature there, if you're using the Kick Messenger, you can actually connect with other users of the app around you. Think about how predators can use that, right? If I'm a predator and I'm using this and I'm just kind of putting out feelers to who else is using the app and start trolling that way, uh, that's why we teach, um, our, we taught our children and, and definitely encourage parents that if, if someone sends a text and they're not in your contacts, do not reply, because they'll send things like, hey, what you doing? And the kid doesn't know who it is. Who is this? That's what they say. Well, what that tells the, the perpetrator on the other end is, ha, this is, there's somebody there. And then they'll begin to engage, right? Uh, Dust, this is a new one I just found out about. Uh, actually, Mark Cuban uh, from Shark Tank. You know, he, um, he's behind the dust, but that's it's really about encrypted and and a lot of things. Probably there's some legitimate reasons to to encrypt conversations and those kind of things. But actually, in doing so, it obviously sets itself up to be used, you know, for sexting and those kind of things as well. Wickers are relatively new in Signal, and then of course we've all heard about Snapchat um, as well. And Snapchat's one of those, you know, it kind of first started this. You know, the whole premise behind that is the image is going to be gone in ten seconds or less. And so people who would otherwise never consider sending a sext, now all of a sudden 
well, it's going to be gone. Maybe that's not a, not a big deal. And they do that, and their world is, is turned upside down. We, we've heard stories, and, and there's been Birmingham stories of... Um, you know, girls who maybe are pressured to send nude photos and they're trying to be popular. Middle school years are, are crazy hard anyway and they're wanting to be accepted. The popular kids are wanting to see these. They finally send it and then it gets spread all over the school. Um, this is a, a really big deal uh, and kids need to know we're talking about felony offenses here. If they're under 18, uh, by taking the photo, that's creation of child pornography. By possessing it, that's possession of child pornography. If you send it to somebody, that's distribution of child pornography. All three of those, uh, I think the, the minimum sentence is 10 years for any one of those felonies. Now, Colorado, but here's, here's where we are. Law enforcement doesn't really know what to do with this. There was a high school in Colorado in the early parts of last year. 125 students were in this sexting ring. Law enforcement can't come, they're not going to come in and arrest 125 kids. Um, but it does, I mean, as we're parenting, as we're engaging the hearts of our children, we need to help them understand the consequences of what, what is actually going on. And, and, uh, and once something is out on the Internet, it never goes away. And our children, as they're growing and developing and their young minds, they don't really understand that. But that, that something that once it's out, they can never reel it back in. So these are the top seven sexting apps. So I want to talk real quickly about anime, manga, and hensha. Uh, you saw the hensha um, was one of the top uh, search engines that had moved up uh, from 2016 to 2017. Because a, a reason I put this in is I want you to know that just because it's a, a cartoon does not mean it's harmless. Okay? Saturday mornings are always great growing up. You know, there's always cartoon, you know, with the the great Looney Tunes and all that, but this is not what we're talking about there. So first of all, let's define some terms. Anime, Japanese hand-drawn or computer animation. Uh, manga, a style of Japanese comic books and graphic no- novels typically aimed at adults as well as children. And then Hensha is um, certainly pornographic. Some of the anime manga, some of that's pornographic. It's not all pornographic. Hensha is all pornographic. A subgenre of the Japanese genres of manga and anime characterized by overtly sexualized characters and sexually explicit images and plots. A lot of things showing up here. Let me just tell you this as it relates to cartoons. <clears throat> when it comes to the porn industry and you're doing... All those videos that I talked about, just the onslaught of videos that were uploaded, I'd say it takes 68 years to consume everything that was uploaded in 2017. Even with that amount of volume, there's still limitations. You've got actors and actresses. You've got, there's just so many scenes in a day you can do and all that. When it comes to drawing, there is no limitation. It's as fast as somebody can draw things and whatever their mind can conceive. So in these uh, genres... It's uh, very common to have uh, uh, humans with uh, uh, animal characteristics. And I'll show you some examples of this, like tiger tails or bat wings or, or some type of uh, bull horns or some, some type of human-animal mix. Also robot-human mix, um, alien-human mix, but also... It shows a lot, not just pornography, but actually bestiality, actually sex with robots, sex with aliens, and those kind of things. Like anything the mind can dream up, uh, it is here. And so just to give you some 
examples of what this style looks like. Um, these are just some images that come from that anime manga. There, If you go into Barnes & Noble, there's a whole section of anime and manga. Now again, with anime and manga, it's not all pornographic. All right, Some of you may have nieces or nephews or whatever that are, that are into this style. Uh, I think there's still some things to be aware of because it does come from a Japanese culture that's very nihilistic, definitely not from a Christ-centered worldview by any stretch. And so a lot of that shows up uh, in the plots of these uh, cartoons. Uh, but then when you get to Hensha, uh, it is just outright hardcore you know, the only thing is what you're seeing is hand-drawn and it's not active. But, it, but the way this animation is now, sometimes you can't even tell if it's, if it's real or animated. You know, some of the, the way that that's done. So anyway, uh, we've had people say, well, that kind of looks like Precious Moments. If you all remember the Precious Moments uh, figures, figurines with the big eyes. But notice uh, up here in the corner, the young boy with the bat wings and the, and the, the tail. That's an example of that um, animal-human uh, deal. Uh, but very large, innocent eyes. Uh, the other thing about this that's dangerous, especially in the middle school years, you know, uh, eating disorders and, and, and trying to fit in, uh, it really gives a distorted view of what beauty is. And, and it's hard enough uh, for especially young ladies to compete with the airbrush models that they see in all the ads. But now what you've got are, um, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, gender, just neutrality. That's kind of, you may see a character that's got large female breasts and male genitalia or reverse of that. Uh, so it kind of blends all these, these gender lines and with everything coming at us from the culture of that topic anyway, children who are consuming a lot of this, there's a lot of confusing messages uh, with that. Some of these, you can't tell if it is a male or female. It's very andro- androgynous uh, in the way they're, they're drawn. So I just wanted you to be aware uh, of this style. So some of the dangers, some other, other examples there. So manga anime introduced teens and tweens to damaging secular concepts like nihilism, gender neutrality, and negative body image. Um, it's, hard enough, it's hard enough to compete with, um, again, the airbrush stuff, but when you have these very um, just exaggerated proportions, you know, for, for body. I mean, just like large breasts and tiny waist and then this curves and all this. Stuff. It's like that's, if that's what they're listening to or, or watching, then they're getting this idea over time that that's what I'm supposed to look like. And, and those are things as parents we need to be, to be aware of. I mentioned Musical.ly earlier. Now, this is a fun app. I, I did a, a, a review of this app just when I'd heard about it. And I can see how kids would love this because basically you're, taking, you're making your own music video to popular music. So the app provides the, the tune. It gives you to record. And so these kids are making their own video apps, okay, or music app, music videos. Now, it does say because of the uh, Children's uh, Online Protection Act, COPA, that you've got to be 13, but if, if you're using this or go on this app, there's a lot of the um, avatars and a lot of the profiles that certainly are younger than 13 years old, seven, eight years old uh, kids who are using that. Now, I <clears throat> haven't seen anything yet that's overtly pornographic here. Uh, it no doubt will be coming because that's what pornographers do. Uh, this kind of stuff happens and they find the avenue and another uh, way to get to children. But here's one of the things that's dangerous about this. 
was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a little troubling to see an eight-year-old girl doing a music video singing a secular song with sexual concepts in that song. I hope she had no idea what she was singing, but any, either way, um, you're still seeing an eight-year-old girl singing about things that she may or may not know what it is. So this, the, what music is bringing, that would be the, the danger uh, here of musically. Um, and just to be something to watch out for, because it is a very, very popular uh, app. <clears throat> so let's talk about grooming. Um, this is, uh, some of this is pretty obvious, but I wanted to cover that. Um, you know, so grooming basically is when a child is being groomed, you know, by, by a predator, okay? Um, and that predator, again, doesn't just mean they're the older guy in the trench coat. You know, it could be someone maybe close to their age as well. I mean, with uh, exploitation right now, and there are, there are actually some rings where there are actually people in the high school recruiting girls, you know, to, to be taken into the sex industry. But check if your child is receiving gifts through the mail. That's an obvious, you know, who is this from, right? Making calls to unknown numbers, turning away from friends and family, spending a lot of time online. Uh, getting upset when he or she can't get online. That's a real telltale sign. You know, if they're just like glued to their device, but then if it's, you know, dinner time or whatever and they just can't come unglued, there may just be some things to check out as to what, what continues to draw them in, onla- in that online environment. If they're minimizing the screen or turning off the monitor uh, when you come into the room, just things to be, uh, to be aware of. So I think that is... Yeah, so we're going to get into our response. Let's take a quick break, come back. We'll have about 45 minutes to talk about our response.